0: Welcome to the Life Christian Church podcast, where our mission is to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread His love in ever-widening circles. Greetings to everybody here today. How are you, TLCC? Ah, come on, you can do better than that today. It's Fourth of July holiday weekend, everybody. And, uh, wow, the weather up here. Good Lord, you don't know how to appreciate it. I'm telling you for sure, you really don't. It's a joy for uh, me to be here and to share during this coming month with you. Uh, I am thrilled. For those of you who may not, you know, you may be a guest here today, let me just tell you that the lead pastor, uh, Pastor Terry and Sharon Smith, are on a sabbatical and I don't know if you know this, but you've got the greatest in the world serving you here. They are incredible people. And uh, I hope, I, I, my, my prayer is that you're remembering them and your support in daily prayer as God refreshes and strengthens them during this time. Um, I have loved this place for a long time now. I was here the very first year... And was with uh, this church when you worshipped in the basement of I want to say it was Holy Trinity, is that right? Was anybody here that during that period of time? Raise your hand. I see some hands going up back here. And in every phase of your growth and development, I have uh, I've watched you and just been uh, celebrated with you and enjoyed it so much. And uh, I'm going to be around here now. For the longest period of time ever that I've been coming up here, four straight Sundays. So you have no excuse for not coming by and introducing yourself, okay? I'll be out in the four year afterwards, and to those of you I haven't met, I hope to meet you. And by the fourth Sunday, I may remember your name. If I just smile and say hi, you know I've been somewhere the little man's running through the files of my brain trying to remember your name. But come by and say hi. Uh, please do that. And continue to pray for your pastor and, and uh, Sharon as they uh, are on this sabbatical. I wholeheartedly support what they're doing to take time to refresh. We're, we're starting a brand new series today, as uh, Ben has told you. I was standing in the grocery store line uh, several months ago and glanced down at the rack where they keep the magazines and this cover caught my attention it was the cover for National Geographic magazine and it was simply titled Jesus and Illustrated Life I really can't tell you that I read the article but that that cover grabbed my attention and I thought to myself at that time what a great sermon series title and so uh, I'm going for the next four Sundays to delve into this. What I thought we'd do is look, look at some of the titles or characteristics or attributes of Jesus while he was on this earth. Study those and uh, try to get a more accurate picture of who he was, who he is, what he is in our lives today. There are lots of different ideas and pictures uh, that come to people's mind when Jesus is mentioned. Some things are so off-based and erroneous that we could do a series about what Jesus is not if we wanted to. He's not and wasn't some effeminate, timid, ineffectual, intellectual who conned those who followed him into theories of cheating death. He was not a rebel who provoked his followers to push back against the Roman government. Uh, There are many different attributes that we can and might talk about who Jesus was and is. Jesus was a servant. He modeled authentic humility and selfishness. Jesus was a teacher. His teachings were compelling and powerful and meant to be transformative. Jesus is a gateway to heaven. Uh, Jesus is The the light of the world. He said this about himself. I am the light of the world. Uh, He is a physician. He did and desires to bring healing to people's lives. Many of these attributes Jesus declared about himself. Others he proved it with the deeds that he did with his life. In this particular message today, I want to talk to you about an attribute of Jesus that is one of my very favorites, and it is regarding the humanity of Jesus. Jesus was a human. Jesus had flesh. Uh, he was a human for 33 and a half years, uh, and there is something extremely important about him being human that we must understand in order to have good theology about Jesus. There is something called the doctrine of identification. Uh, the, The doctrine of identification is a powerful tool that most all politicians try to use to communicate to their constituents. You'll totally recognize what I'm talking about. They will get on television during a debate or a rally and they'll say something like this. I grew up in a working class family. My dad worked two jobs just to put food on the table. My mother's family immigrated here from Mexico or Europe or Africa with only a few dollars to their their names. And then he'll get into his limo and he will uh, go off to get on his private jet to go to the next meeting with the VIPs and that sometimes gets him in a lot of trouble later, right? Uh, They want to identify with you then while they're on the jet they will change into a pair of jeans and cowboy boots and they'll show up at the next rally and say my mom's uncle's cousin was a farmer. So I get you people I understand this is called identification what politicians try to do is give you the illusion that their lives are like yours. That they want you to believe that they identify with the position and place that you're most connected to in your life. The reason they do that is because if you find it relatable, then, then maybe you can trust them because of that and they can get your vote to put them into office. But here's what I want you to know today. Jesus did not settle for the illusion of identification. Jesus became a human to experience all that you experience in your life because he wanted you to know that he truly does connect with your life. He was a toddler. Yeah, go ahead and applaud. That's awesome today. Jesus was a toddler. He was in a family. He, he, uh, he knew what it was like to have siblings. He went to church. He went to the temple. And I want to talk to you today about why that's so important this morning. Hebrews 2.14 says this, because God's children are what? What does the scripture say? Say it out loud. And because of flesh and, and, made of flesh and blood, Jesus also became flesh and blood. Jesus was a human being. Say that out loud with me today. Jesus, the same kind of skin you have, Jesus had it. He knew what it was like to have a cramp, a leg cramp in the middle of the night. Anybody know what I'm taking, talking about? You wake up and your leg is... <laughs> And you go, ah. Uh, He knew what it was like to get sick, to be tired, to be sad. He probably had at some point a pimple. He had a toothache. He had a headache. Well, Pastor Dan, how does that help me? Well, let me show you this morning out of Scripture Hebrews chapter 2. Therefore, it was necessary for, for him to be made in every respect like us his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. So because he suffered, because he was tempted, because uh, he was uh, one that, was, uh, that suffered, he is able to assist us in our time of need. Now I want to ask you a question this morning. Is there anybody in this room today that has suffered? You have been tested. You have been tried. Anybody here in this room? Let me see your hand today. Then you have, I have good news. You have a a Lord that has suffered and was tempted and tested. And the scripture says he's able to help you because he understands what you walk through. Hebrews chapter four For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. So let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So again, let me ask you today, has anybody here suffered, been tested or tempted? Let me give you the good news. You can find help in time of need because Jesus is merciful and he is faithful and he empathizes and feels where you're at and he's on the throne today interceding for you. This ladies and gentlemen is a big deal and I'm excited to share it with you today. In the Old Testament, only the high priest could approach the throne of grace. He was the symbolic head for the entire nation of people, the only representative, and he came from the people and he was appointed to offer the gifts and the sacrifices to God. The reason is because man had sinned and therefore created this barrier between God and man. So the provision God created was these human priests They were go-betweens. They were, uh, the animal was sacrificed as a substitute and God would look upon that and turn his anger away from the people. Enter Jesus, the human onto the scene who becomes a permanent and complete substitute with this death on the cross. He becomes the high priest, but he doesn't just bring the sacrifice. He is the sacrifice. And what we get is incredible it's more than just atonement that jesus gives us please don't miss this today we don't just get saved but we get access to the throne of god we get access to walk into his presence to come boldly before god and you can do that today because jesus is a merciful and sympathetic high priest he sympathizes he empathizes That's that's a powerful thing. Let me me illustrate it with this today. Let's say you're at a dinner party and you mention to somebody that you have had cancer and they respond back to you and tell you they have had that exact kind of cancer. Instantly, there is some kind of bond that occurs. I know this because 10 years ago, 10 years ago this month, I entered into a sorority of those who have suffered with and survived prostate cancer. 10 years ago today, I am 10 years clean this month. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus, for that. But I can be somewhere, and if prostate cancer as a subject comes up, I can instantly relate to that person who has walked that journey. I can instantly know all the concerns that they have walking into the treatment for that cancer. I can instantly connect with that person. Have you ever considered this, that Jesus was tempted in every area that you will face? Whatever you walked into this room with today that you may be traversing whatever uh, that you're facing, Jesus could look at you this morning and say, I totally get that. I understand what you're walking through. What I'm about to say is so important that if you don't get this, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm going to be mad at you. The reason it is wonderful that Jesus was a human is because he's sitting on a throne of grace. And the reason it's a throne of grace is because the one sitting on it has been a human. And he knows what you feel. That should empower you today. That should excite you today because one of Satan's oldest tricks is to convince you that you're worse than everybody else, that people just can't get you and perhaps that God can't get you. You just keep giving in. Nobody else does that. You're bad enough. You shouldn't even be in church. You're not holy enough. But let me tell you, you have a high priest that knows exactly the feelings that you experience when you walk in today and he relates with us because he became human and wore the same flesh that you have today. I'm going to give you three points today. I'm going to try to land this plane in about 15 minutes and 42 seconds. Something that I know you're not accustomed to your pastor doing. By the way, he is one of the greatest and my favorite communicators in the entire world. Jesus understands things about you today. I'm going to talk to you about three things. First of all, Jesus understands relationships. Mark chapter 6, verse 3 talks about his family. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. So this scripture points out that he had four brothers and at least two sisters because it's plural here, brothers and sisters. Ever considered that? He gets it. He knows what it's like to have your brother duct tape you to the bed. I I know how that feels. (laughs) He understands. Since it was Jesus, you think in your mind all the kids got along perfectly because your kids do. They all, they never fight and argue. They're just perfectly behaved. I'm being sarcastic, okay? Can you get that? Do You think just because it's Jesus, they didn't fight and get angry with one another? How many times do you think they heard Mary look at the siblings and say, why can't you be a little more like Jesus? And then what if at the public pool, Jesus got up one day on top, started doing the moonwalk backwards. Ah, you can do it. Come on, come on. I'm joking, all right? he was human. He understands what it's like to have a sibling, crazy siblings. He knows what it's like to be single. If you're single, Jesus understands. He spent a whole lot of his time alone. Uh, He knows what that feels like. Some of you married folks are sitting here today thinking, well, Jesus doesn't understand what it's like to be married to my spouse. Well, you might want to think before you say this because there are multiple references in scriptures about the bride of Christ, the church. And let me tell you, that wasn't always and hasn't always been pretty or beautiful. Revelation 21, one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, come and I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. You think he doesn't know what it's like to be married? He knows what it's like, the struggles of that relationship. I am so happy to have my wife with me today, sitting here on the front row. This is Becky. I hope you get to know her as well. <clears throat> this past, or this coming August the 27th, we will celebrate 46 years together. <clears throat> And it has been marital bliss. Just ask her about it if you'd like. Uh, In fact, some people find this hard to believe, but in 46 years, we've only had one fight. It started 46 years ago. (laughs) Some of you are trying to figure out my age right now. I was 15. I'm from Arkansas, okay? We got married young. I'm only joking, all right? Jesus knows what it's like to struggle. In fact, he knows what it's like to have a spouse that's unfaithful. Think about that. He came to his own, and his own received him not. He came to his betrothed, and she was fickle and left him for another lover. That's what the scripture says. There's nothing that you can't talk to him about in regards to relationships that he doesn't relate with you. Let me show you a great verse of Scripture found in Mark chapter 3. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around, and they told him, "'Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you.' "'Who are my mother and my brothers?' he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, "'Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother.'" You know what he was saying? That's not my family. You're my family. You guys are my family. I don't claim them. I claim you. Somebody may be wondering, why would Jesus appear that he disowns his own family? Well, you can find in Mark chapter 3 that he said uh, they, they had some crazy things to say about him. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him for they said he is out of his mind. You ever Have you ever felt a little weird? Or maybe you have one of those weird people in your family. Uh, you know, that one that's just a little bit off. That one. And if you don't have one in your family, you don't have one of those weird people, take a look at yourself. Maybe it's you. You just need to look and see. You know, I, I, somebody, a cousin down south, a cousin where... Shows up wearing a t-shirt that says, I'm happier than a tornado in a trailer park. You know, uh, crazy. I'm here to tell you today that you can have an intimate and amazing relationship with Jesus because as a human, he knew about weirdos. And he, he related with weirdos. He had weirdos in his life. And he still says, I love you. Even at your worst, I care about you. Oh, you ought to clap your hands about that today. (laughs) Come on. Did you know he understands what it's like to have a friend die? Lazarus uh, dies, Mary and Martha look at him if you would have just been here. He knows what it's like to have a friend desert you when you need them the most, to be betrayed. There is nothing going on in life in regards to relationship that you can't talk to him about. Number two, Jesus understands work. June the 1st of this year, uh, I'm sorry, June the 1st of this month, I started, well, it would be last month now, I started my tenure at Heartland Church in Irving. The year was 1985, 37 years of my life and counting in that wonderful place. Just a little over two years ago now, I stepped down as lead pastor but I'm still there on staff. And I wanna tell you, it wasn't always enjoyable. Sometimes it was rough. I I remember my first few years of being at this church. uh, The pastor came to me, really didn't came to me, we were in a meeting and he was talking about how that we were building a a two-story educational building in the back of our church. And we needed a, he found some guy to do the bricklaying, but the guy needed a helper. I foolishly volunteered to do that job, a two-story educational building. Things were good as long as we were on ground level, but then when the scaffolding went up and I was towing up uh, uh, bricks up to the second level and trying to get mortar up to him, and during the course of that time, at some point, I developed a boil on my thumb. Oh, I'm telling you, Job didn't have it as bad as I did. It hurt so bad. I guess with all the dust, it got infected, and I would hoist the bricks with that brick holder up to the guy that was up top, and I would say, "Watch my thumb with the boil." And he would grab between that handle that thumb. And I would almost go up with him at that moment. Let me tell you, it was not pleasant. But listen, Jesus understood hard work. He was in the marketplace longer than he was in the ministry. You ever considered that? Probably started at age 12, somewhere in there, all the way up until 30 as a carpenter. All of our pictures are a Swedish snow skier Jesus. Long robe, white dude, blue eyes, tan, beautiful, full beard, long flowing hair. All that's missing from these pictures is a snowboard and some Mountain Dew. But listen, this was a man, when you saw him, that probably had dust, calloused hands, blisters, sores, cuts, dirt under his fingernails. His hands may have been so dirty that when he spit in that guy's eye, the guy was relieved. Thank God he didn't touch me. I don't know. Those hands, no power saw, no nail guns. H- had a piece of lumber At the house that needed to be cut, he didn't have a power saw. Uh, Listen, I'm not a handyman. I'm going to admit it today. I start projects and realize I was going to have to cut something and panic just sets in. These hands were not made for cutting things, all right? The only thing I end up cutting is my finger. I can't do it. But Jesus knew about that kind of hard work. He probably owned his own carpentry business called Father and Son Carpentry. I'm kidding. Okay. (laughs) Think about this. He knew what it was like to have a lazy employee who needed motivating on a daily basis. He knew what it was like to see someone not do their share of the work, but want all of the credit for doing it. He knows what it's like to do business with people who lie and cheat. How would you like to go to heaven and find out you've been that guy Craig, remember me? You stiffed me for that table back I made for you. So let's talk about eternity now, shall we? He knows what it's like to do uh, business with those type of people. He knows what it's like to do business with church people who lie and cheat. If there's anything that happens to you, you should be able to go and talk to him about it. Just know he's going to understand because he's been there. Number three, oh, I'm preaching better than you're clapping this morning. <laughs> Number three, Jesus understands pain. I bring this one up because we all know what it's like to, we know what it, it's like to feel pain. Kids are little. I remember having a conversation, one of my kids saying, there'll there'll come a day where you'll question God and you'll have to decide if he's the Lord. Why would I ever question? Because life is going to get hard and at some point something's going to happen that you don't understand and you'll have a question, God, why did you let that happen? Why did you let me down? And I remember a child looking at me back in the face and said, I've already had that happen a few times. And I I realized it's, it's inevitable. Because hear me, friends, in this life, you're going to experience emotional, physical pain, all of us. Isaiah 53 tells us about that emotional pain. He was despised and rejected. Oh, I don't like rejection. I'm a high eye on the disc profile. Our greatest fear is rejection. I want everybody to like me. I just, I'm just wired that way. So don't come up to me and, and give me some negative feedback on my message today. I'll go home and think about it all night long. I like for you to like me. And, and this is this is Jesus, a man rejected because he had all the personality traits. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Can you sense and feel the emotional pain of that verse of scripture? Then look at the physical pain. Isaiah 53:5. but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed. For our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. He was mocked and despised for his birth. He was called illegitimate. He was mocked because of his race. A sign over his cross said, The King of the Jews, racist. That was most definitely a racist sign. He experienced that, making fun of his heritage and laughing about his station in life. He understands what it's like to be mocked uh, and mocked on the cross until the last two minutes of his life. He experienced physical pain, beaten three different times, Jewish Herod and Pilate's guards. They actually ripped the beard out of his face, beat him with rods, put a crown of thorn on his head, scourged him, 39 times. Nails through his hands and his feet and a thorn in his side. This is a difficult thing for us to understand, but Jesus was literally tortured to death, our Lord. So when are you going to tell him about your pain He understands. He gets it. He knows when your heart is hurting about something going on in your life. He knows what it's like to have a body that feels physical pain. He knows about emotional suffering. When are you going to tell him about what's going on in your life? One last thing I want you to know about reference. I referenced this verse earlier, but I find it interesting Mark chapter 6, verse 3, he says, isn't this Mary's son? Matthew says the same thing in his version of this story. Isn't this Mary's son? This is is important, and I find it very interesting. In another instant, not the same moment, Jesus is teaching, and the crowd says something else. John chapter 6, then the people begin to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, isn't this Jesus son of Joseph? We know his father and his mother. How can he say I came down from heaven? Now here's what's interesting. John records the first two years of Jesus' ministry. Matthew, Mark, and Luke record the third year. John writes his gospel years after the other disciples were martyred. I believe he had access to the first three of these. I think he read them and said this is great but There's two years left out, and so he wrote it out. That's why there's so many things, in John, you won't find in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John, you find the water turned to wine, Nicodemus, the woman at the well, the man at the pool of Bethesda. Now, they all end in crucifixion, but I'm referring to the ministry. Now, think about this for just a second. Matthew, Mark say, isn't this the son of Mary recorded in the third year? John records... First two years and includes, isn't this the son of Joseph? There's another thing John records, the final moments on the cross. Jesus says, woman, behold your son. Son, this is your mother. And from that day, Mary went to live with John. Logic says that she would not have gone to live with John if, if Joseph were still alive. It's possible. I think it's highly possible. Can't prove this, that But highly probable that Joseph died during Jesus' ministry. He experienced that loss as well. Just a little over a month ago, I lost my beautiful 96-year-old mother. And us boys knew it was time to let her go, but it was still extremely painful. My sweet, loving mother, and this picture hugging her is my last picture with her, She had just barely enough energy to reach that that left hand out and grab my shoulder and give me one final little hug. And it was painful. Just this week, recounting to somebody stories about my mother came over me all again this grief that I feel at that loss. Have you ever lost someone? Jesus knows about that pain. Ever been in a deep season of grief? Jesus understands. Why not talk to him about it? What prevents you from going to him with your grief and pain? As the song says, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our pain and grief we can share with him have you ever thought about this Jesus could have raised his father his stepfather however you want to look at it from the dead maybe the reason he didn't was because he wanted to experience the death of a family member so that he could know what it's like when you walk through that place I need maybe he said to know about that kind of pain and grief all because On his journey of being human, he needed to be a sympathetic high priest that could relate to that kind of loss. And listen, it hasn't always been easy in my life, just like with you, but the older I get, the more I relate with the words that Gabby and I sang about this morning. In the second half of my life here on earth, every step, Every place that I've walked, when I look back, I see Jesus. I see His hand moving in my life. I see His touch and His presence that walk beside me. And I want to encourage you today that in the waiting, in the searching, in the healing and the hurting, like a blessing buried in the broken pieces, every minute every moment of where you've been or where you're going even when you didn't know it I couldn't see it there was Jesus bow your heads right now across this room here we are Lord on a 4th of July weekend and people are here on a Sunday because they wanted to experience you today in their lives and lord somebody here today needed to hear this message that you are walking beside them you have not abandoned them you became a human being because you love and you care about us and today before the throne of god there is a high priest who empathizes and sympathizes with what people are walking through in this building today. And this morning, you are here to encourage and lift up and touch the hearts of people. And we are so eternally grateful for that, God. And Lord, I ask that somebody here today that's facing a difficult time in their life would lean into you today. Jesus, the human. Jesus, the one that walked through everything that we did so that we uh, could enter into his presence and know that we have a high priest that is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen today. Say amen and clap your hands to Jesus. to love him. Come on and applaud him today.